0: Have your Bibles this evening. Turn over to the Book of Ruth. Now, if you have a scroll for your Bible, that's on uh, page. Uh, let's see if I can find the page number here. Fourteen oh seven, I believe. Now, well, let me look again. Well, I don't even find the page number in mine. I don't mind. It's not here, I guess, in this Bible. But anyway, it's not far from uh, the uh, books of the law. Just start over and you'll find it. I usually have a Schofield and have a the uh, page number on it. But anyway, while you're looking for that, uh, I do want to say a word about the Heart Sunday. Uh, we kind of have grown cold toward that, I guess. We don't uh, promote it like we used to, but it is to bring someone that's dear to you, to the services next Sunday. Now, I remember one time when we was over just trying to get started over in the other oratorium, we were running about 30 in uh, church and uh, on Heart Sunday we had 90 something. So, uh, you know, that was time we first started and everybody was kind of excited over it. and We had up banners and so forth and and uh, made a big thing out of it. And uh, You know, I believe we're going to do anything for the Lord. Uh, we ought to give uh, our best effort to it. So uh, we need to start thinking about this. You know, are we going to really uh, push things uh, like Heart Sunday? And if we're not, just if all we're going to do is just stick up a sign and say that's it, then uh, we might as well not have it. Uh, because we, I believe the Lord expects us, if we're going to do something, to put our best foot forward in that. So uh, too late to do anything this year, but... Uh, Let's pray and see that uh, the Lord doesn't do something now do something for us, even though we haven't done much. All right, if you have your Bibles and you found the Book of Ruth, chapter one, if you'll stand, we'll start reading with verse eighteen, and uh, read It's right in the middle of a story, and uh, we'll uh, try to lay the background for it the best that we can. It says when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her. Then she left speaking unto her, so that they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naoma? And she said unto them, Call me not Naoma, call me Myra, for the Almighty uh, hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naoma? But seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. So Naoma returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley har- harvest. Father, we thank you tonight for... Thy word, and God, I pray that you'll bless it, and God that you'll bless our comments, Lord, upon it, and God give us clear minds and honest hearts, and then Lord, seal the message to our hearts that we might be able to go out tomorrow and be profited thereby. Father, if there'd be one here without your son tonight, I pray special conviction upon them that they might find salvation while they still have the time. Go with us now in every undertaking. Help us always to do that which pleases you, we ask in Christ's name, amen. Amen. (laughs) I want to entitle the message tonight, The Cost of Leaving Home, and uh, I want to make a very uh, definite statement, a very true one, I believe, that if you walk away from God as a child of God, there will be a high cost. And if we can keep that in our minds as we go through the night and uh, look at this uh, story that we've given here in the book of Ruth, as I said, I've only read a few verses right out of the middle, and uh, we, we're we going to be looking at what it cost uh, Amalek and Naomi for leaving home, leaving the place where God had for them. Uh, if we bring it down to our own personal experience, we've had... Uh, Five children that left home, and we know of many others that have done so. They grow up and they get ready for homes of their own, and and uh, they leave. and There's always a co- there's always a cost to that. Sometimes it's more costly to some than it is to others. You know, some may have accumulated some furniture and some uh, clothes and maybe some uh, cooking ware and so forth and and ready to move out and take that with them. And some just move out and don't have anything, have to start from scratch. And they've always been used to daddy and mama, you know, buying the uh, shampoo and the uh, toilet tissue and all those things. And now that's their responsibility. And they find out that leaving home uh, costs a whole lot. But it's only normal and right that we should do that as adult children. I know there's a lot of talk now about children having to come back home because of the job situation and so forth. But uh, there, there's no house big enough for two families. Amen. You you can Amen. build one as large as you want to. Now, uh, uh, Spencer, he kind of thinks big. He and I was down at Centennial one time, and he said that, Uh, Pa, when I get grown, I'm going to buy this hospital, and I'm going to make a house out of it, and I'm going to move you and Mama and Daddy all down here in the same place. Now, even though you might have a house that big, uh, it'd be trouble if you had more than one family there, and uh, that's not part of the message. That won't cost you anything. It's free, but it's good advice. So let us talk a little bit now and deal with the subject of uh, more importance than leaving our physical home. And that is leaving the home where God has placed us. Now, uh, I'm not talking primarily about the local church, but I will say this. If God's placed you in this church or any other church, then you better learn to be satisfied if you want to have a happy life, yeah. and do you say, well, there's, there's something wrong with my preacher and there's something wrong with my church? I don't doubt that a bit. But you can go down the road and join, and it won't be long. There's going to be something wrong with your preacher and something wrong with your church. Uh, there's just no perfect people on this earth. Uh, I want to say, not many of us anyway, but I, I better leave that alone. <laughs> But let's get serious for a moment. Here was one of God's people. His name was Amalek. He was an uh, Ephonite from the tribe of uh, Bethlehem, Judea. simply means that he was one of God's chosen people. Now, when we're talking tonight about this man, I want you to know that we're talking to God's people. And God hasn't changed. Whatever he would do to children of the Old Testament that refused to follow him and rebel against his will, he will do for us today if we do the same thing. And so here was Amalek, and uh, there was a time when trouble came into his life. We talked this morning about storms coming into your life. (laughs) Is there anybody here that could be bold enough to raise your hand and say, I never had a storm in my life, never have had any problem? Uh, All of us have those. And there was a time, though, when this storm came into Amalek's life, and it came in the form of a famine in the land. Yeah. not any food to eat. Now, all of us want to feed our families. We like to have food for ourselves, but we like to feed our families too. But Amalek made a grave mistake. Instead of staying right where God put him, and trusting God to take care of him, he began to reason. And he began to make choices. And so he chose, instead of turning to turn into God and trusting God, he chose to go down to Moab, which is a picture of the world. Back over in the book of Numbers, we'll not turn there, but in the 21st chapter of Numbers, verse 29 the Bible says, woe unto Moab. And so Amalek decided, though, you know, I've got to provide for my family, so uh, I'll take them, take them down there into Moab. And uh, so uh, Amalek made this choice, and it's not a choice that we haven't considered before. You remember when Joshua brought the children of Israel down to the Jordan River And God said, I'm going to roll back the waters of the flooded river and let you go across. Two and a half tribes of them said, we don't believe we'll go. We're satisfied right where we are. Now, I'm not going to try to bring a message tonight upon Joshua, but you have to understand that the land of Canaan, the promised land, or however you want to refer to it, is a picture of being in the will of God. That's where God wanted his people all the time. Now, there's a Canaan land for us today. Uh, And we can be in Canaan land and live right where we are. If we simply get in the will of God. And so, uh, Amalek here decided to take his family, his wife and his two sons, and he went down to Moab, which was on the east side of the River Jordan. Do you get what I'm saying? He walked out of the will of God. Isn't that sad? Doesn't that make you kind of feel like chill bumps are coming on you? When a man decides, here's a man within the will of God trying to do what God wants him to do, and things get hard, and he walks out of the will of God. How much more trouble is he inviting to come into his life than what's already there and so Amalek took uh, wife uh, Naomi and his two sons and went down into Moab and uh, there I, I don't doubt there when that they came into that land for a little while things probably went pretty good you know God doesn't deal like we deal we get mad about Some of our children doing something, or our grandchildren, we want to deal immediately. But God is long suffering. And God's love is extended to us, and and to this point where He'll give us a chance to remedy our mistakes. So, as uh, Amalek, Amalek went down there into Moab, I'm sure he didn't move down there today, and next week things started falling apart. But i tell you what did happen. When he got down there, it wasn't many years before he died. Amalek died. Now you can go and try to place your finger anywhere you want to, but it was Amalek's responsibility to make sure his family was where they were supposed to be. Yeah. And he led that family out of the will of God into the world to try to survive without God. And so, uh, here was Amalek, and God decided to take him. I kind of believe, and I wouldn't argue with you if you don't want to agree with me. You can be wrong if you want to, and I'll just, just let you go. But I believe that Amalek committed to sin under death. Now, the Bible doesn't give us all the details of any of these stories, but I'm convinced that God began to talk to Amalek and say, you know you ought not to be down here. And do you know you ought to get back where I once had you? And Amalek said, not me. I'm enjoying life right where I am. And my family is well provided for. And I'm not going anywhere, God. And God said, we'll see about that. And he reached down and got Amalek and took him out. Now you would think, here is these two sons that are left and the wife that was left. And you would think those folk would get together and say, well, now we really know we ought not to be down here. We ought to be back uh, there in uh, Bethlehem and and, uh, we better just load up our furniture and our clothes and we better head out back. That wasn't the way it happened. They stayed, and if I remember right, to tell you the truth, I didn't read this over to find out, but if I remember right, it was about ten years that they stayed down there, and then both of Naoma's sons died. And uh, again, they, you know, here's God's people now. Remember, we're not talking about people of the world. We're talking about God's people. And uh, here again, I believe they followed in the same footsteps that their daddy went down. I thought of Ananias and Sapphira. You remember Ananias come in and he lied unto the Holy Spirit and God killed him. And after a while his wife came in and she said, that's right, what he said is right. And she lied to the Holy Spirit. And and the Bible says the same ones that carried her husband out carried her out. Now, God is no respecter of persons. And that means uh, he treated uh, Sapphire just like he treated An- Ananias. And that means that he'll treat you and I just like he treated Amalek. And so Amalek now is dead, and the two sons are dead, and Na- Elma has nobody to watch after her or care for her. Those two sons had married. She said to her daughter-in-laws, I'm going to release you, from any ties to this family and I'm going back home now she made a good choice fine but look what it already cost her it had costed her a husband and it costed her two sons but finally she made the decision and said I'm going back home and she said those daughter-in-laws I release you and Oprah said Opal said all right I've got all my family here, and I'm really satisfied, and, and I'm still a young woman, and I believe I'll just stay. But Ruth said no. She said, wherever you lodge, I'll lodge. For whoever you worship, I'll worship. She had saw something in Naoma that made her desire to have what Naomi had. Even though Naomi had rebelled against God and had went off into the world, she still had something that made this uh, Gentile girl and, uh, to desire to be just like her. And so Naomi decides to go home and Ruth says, I'm going to go with you. And uh, they make the trip back. The Bible says when they got back, the city was moved. Did you ever stop and think, why were they moved? And I believe that the indication is that they were so glad to see Naomi come back home that they rejoiced over the fact she was coming back. Every child of God ought to rejoice when a brother or a sister goes out into the world and then decides to come back home. Amen. Now, we don't always do that. We say amen and praise the Lord, but we don't always do that. Here's a fellow that gets out of church, goes out there and gets drunk, runs around with harlots and and gambles and does all those things, you know, and and, uh, maybe has learned to the health of his body. Then he comes dragging back in here and says, I'd like to get back in fellowship with the Lord and I want to apologize to the church. Some of us says, you got just what you deserve. I'll tell you, you better not say that. Because if you do, God may give you what you deserve. Amen. And I'm here to tell you tonight, I don't want what, God, what I deserve. Amen. I see the thing the other day it said, Mercy was that God withheld from me what I deserve, and grace. He gave me what I didn't deserve. I like that, don't you? And so, Naomi, she decides she's going to go back to the place of God. She's going to fellowship with the people of God. And she's going to seek out the power of God. And the city was moved when they seen her coming. I believe just like the father of the prodigal son was moved when he saw him coming afar off. And so, Naoma comes home, and they said, Oh, Naoma, she said, Don't call me Naoma. She said, Naoma means the pleasant one. You know every church needs a sister pleasant or a brother pleasant. Somebody that'll see the good side when it seems like the bad side applies. Somebody that sees the glass half full of water instead of half empty. We, we need some sister Pleasants, at brother Pleasants. But she said, now don't call me Pleasant anymore, but call, call me Myra, which is bitter. She said, I went out full, but I came back empty. Yeah. What she mean by that? When I left here, I had a family. I had a husband. I had two sons. When I come back, the only one that cared for me is this little Gentile maid that was once my daughter-in-law. She said, so don't call me pleasant anymore. The Lord has dealt with me bitterly. Can't say it. And if you notice this as you read that, she said, I went out. God didn't have nothing to do with her going out. I went out. But then did you notice the next part of it? But God brought me back. Yeah. And so here was when She was home. I don't want to go into much of this because it gets the story gets too long. But when she came home, there was an individual there that had taken over Amalek's land. His name was Boaz. And there's a law in Israel that says that uh, a kinsman can uh, get the land of a relative. But there's three conditions he has to meet. Number one, he has to be willing to do it. Can't be forced. Number two, he has to be able to do it. He's got to have the money or whatever it takes to redeem it. And then number three, he has to be kin to them. And that's what's called the kinsman redeemer. And Ruth's kinsman redeemer was Boaz. And I've got a secret for you tonight. I've got a kinsman redeemer. And his name is not Boaz. His name is Jesus Christ. He willingly went to the cross. He willingly paid the price. He was able to pay the price. And he became kin to me when he took on that body of like unto of the sinful flesh. He's my kinsman redeemer. Amen. If we followed the story a little bit farther, we'd find out that Ruth went out and began to gleam wheat at Boaz's field. Boaz is a type of the Lord. And Ruth is a type of the New Testament church. Remember, she's a Gentile. And she gleaned in the field. And I'm not going to get down to the latter part of the story, but this is so good, I just can't let it go. Boaz went over to the reapers. And he said, you see that young lady back there that's reaping behind you? He said, every once in a while, just drop her a handful on purpose. Aren't you glad when our kinsman Redeemer says, just drop him or her a handful of blessings on purpose? There is a high cost of leaving home. And I'm sure that as Naomi looked back over the things of her life, she wished she had never left. We said earlier it's Amalek's decision to leave and the wife was obedient to her husband, so when Amalek stands before God, he'll have to give an account. But I think Naomi may have some problems too when she stands before the Lord because I don't see anywhere that she protested Amalek's decision. I believe she must have kind of encouraged him and said, Boy, that seems like a good idea to me. Uh, Let's just do it. And look what it cost. Came back home empty. Now it may be that there's people that, like we was talking about a moment ago, got out away from God. And the world has robbed them. Look what the world robbed Nelma of, her whole family. The world may have robbed them of their health, Or their testimony. Maybe don't even have a place to sleep. And the the world's good at doing that. But if they'll come home, they'll find blessing and and be received. And so that's what I want to say tonight. If you're out there, you've walked away from God and you've paid a high price. If you stay out there, you're going to pay a higher price. But if you'll come back to the Lord, he may not do away. In fact, I could almost tell you, he won't do away with something you've done out there and you're reaping fruit from. In other words, you may have gotten out there and got to be drinking and ruined your liver, or you may have gotten involved in smoking and ruined your lungs, or you might have got involved in a dozen or a hundred other things that have harmed your body, and uh, God may not take that away from you. Probably won't take that away from you. But I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll love you, and he'll walk with you, and he'll help you get through. But the best thing that we can do who haven't yet left home, and you know it gets harder every day, not to leave home. But to those of us who haven't left home, we need to count the cost of what what it would cost if we did. Don't let the devil trick you into thinking the world has more to offer than the Lord. The Bible says Moses chose to suffer affliction with the children of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin. For a season, yeah. The choice is still yours tonight. Are you going to go out into the world and enjoy pleasure of sin? God said there's pleasure in sin, but it's just for a little while. <clears throat> Are you going to stand with God and with God's people, regardless of the cir- circumstance? We invite you to stand with us, if you would please, piano player and song leader conference. Brother McVeigh's standing on my right, Brother Chris in the center, and Brother John on the le- left.